0: me a tile, I'm dirty dancing by myself, gone on tabs of that acid, for me a circle, watch my jagger, might lose my jacket, and hit a solo, one time, we too loud in public, then police turn down the function, now we outside, and the time is perfect, forgot to tell you, gotta tell you how much I vibe with you, and we don't gotta be solo, and I stay away from highways. My eyes like them red lights. Right now, I prefer yellow. Red bone, so mellow. Fuck, when I be cutting you. Think we were better off solo.
1: I got that act right in the windy city that night. No trees to blow through, but blow me and I owe you two grams from the sunrise. Smoking good, rolling solo. It's solo.
0: So low, so long, so low, so low, so low, so low, so
1: low. So it's hell on earth and the city's on fire. In hell, in hell, there's heaven. There's a bull and a matador
0: dueling in the sky. In hell, in hell. Welcome to this week's episode of the Hammer Time Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Hammerman, talking with you every single week, or almost every single week, as we now know, about sports society and stuff. You can find this podcast on Playmaker Mentality, which, until last week, I didn't think was still active, but another new article went up last week. So I guess guess they're still pumping out content. So you know what? You can find me on Playmaker Mentality, even though I don't really write for them anymore. But you can do that, and you can probably also find my work on Pat's Pulpit, where I'll be writing more this year, which I'm really excited about, and also uh, the UConn Report and UConn blog covering the Northeast's best college football team. And, you know, their, their season starts tomorrow when I'm recording this, and I'm probably not going to be watching that game, but I'll still be watching after the game and covering it for the blog, so it'll be fun. But anyway... Also download an iTunes, rate, review, send around. There is so much shit to talk about this week. It's gonna be really, really good. I have a great guest. He is Patriots fan, Iowa guy, the boniest of Romos at Bony Romo on Twitter is with me. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. How are you, Ethan?
0: I'm doing great. I'm really excited to have you on the show. You know, I put out that APB and for the record, I'm I'm also looking for more guests. I'm thinking once football season comes around, you know, we might have some repeat guests on because there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about, and we cover a lot of football on the show, but I'm also always looking for new people, so if you're interested in coming on, if you know someone who you think would be really good, who has a lot of stuff to say, let me know, shoot me an at, uh, hit me in a DM, and we can get them on the show because I'm all about expanding the audience, getting lots of different people. So, anyway, my, my friend over here, uh, Boney Romo, who... Should I refer to you as Boney Room for this podcast, by the way?
1: No, no, please call me All Colin. Right. I am going to call you
0: Colin because I just didn't want to do that without asking you. But my my friend Colin over here, we're going <laughs> to...
1: So many people just call me Boney, and I'm like, don't do that, that sounds so fucking stupid.
0: But yeah, no, it, it, it does sound very stupid. Although, fun fact, this is very random, but I went to kindergarten through eighth grade with the kid who's dead had the famous show on Nickelodeon which some of you may remember and some of you may not called Wienerville. <laughs> and uh, one of the characters of that show was a dinosaur named Boney. So They're that is
1: dinosaur.
0: Yeah, that is kind of that is kind of what I think of when I think of you, but anyway, we're going to move on from that. That wonder this podcast is off to a great start We're we're just going all guns blazing <laughs> in this week, but you know what, football season's around the corner, like we're all amped there's so much going on. There's so much to talk about. And to start, before we talk about this year, let's take a bit of a step back, uh, just because I like to ask this of all of my guests. How did you first fall in love with football?
1: Um, I guess, like, I mean, I've always been a huge sports fan, um, but it was never really football. I mean, obviously, like, growing up in Massachusetts, like, the uh, the Patriots, like, when I was, I was, what, I'm 21 now, so I was, like, six when they started winning Super Bowls. Um, so it was hard to not like get interested in it just because, because they were doing so well. Um, I would say I would, I was really getting interested into at the point that like the rest of us on sort of like draft or football Twitter are, um, sort of around the time that I graduated high school, went to college. Um, and sort of ever since then, I, that's why I took to to Twitter and stuff like that and be able to argue with random people on the internet about it.
0: And that's really all, all all we love to do. We just all love arguing with random people on the internet about everything because there's so much to argue about. And with football, there's there's also a lot of, uh, of nuance to argue about too, and, and some people don't have the most nuanced takes, and I know that we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But, so as a Patriots fan growing up, who were some of your favorite players who you rooted for, I guess, before you went to college?
1: Um, I guess, like, any, like, the entire, like early to mid-2000s defense is just, like, you can never replace that in my heart. Uh, Willie McGinnis, Teddy Bruschi, Ronnie Harrison, Ty Law, uh, Sante Samuel, Richard Seymour, all those guys, even, like, the earlier earlier guys that were just sort of, you only really remember them from, like, the 2000 team, Uh, Ted Washington, guys like that. They just had so many, like, good players that played so many roles.
0: Sante Samuel has a kid who's like a senior in high school now, which is one of the scarier he goes things. To that, what?
1: He goes to that superpower high school. I forget what the name of it in Florida, but he I think he's pretty highly recruited too.
0: Yeah, I think he's really really good. But that's that's one of the scarier uh, kids of an athlete situations that's happening. That's a little bit it's a little bit too real for me. Uh, but as I said, you're now in Iowa, so. You know, you got that Big Ten football vibe, and we can touch a little bit on NCA. But what's it like being an Iowa football fan?
1: Well, see, I, I like—I I don't even know if I would even consider myself an Iowa football fan. Like, I'm—I'm a, I'm a senior now. I've probably been to one and a half games. Um, like, I just—I could just never really bring myself to care that much. Um, I think—I don't know you. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just never, I never really came here um, thinking that I was gonna get that into like the Iowa fandom. I think it was just more of like the program, you know. Like if you, they're not that interesting. Uh, like Kirk Ferentz, probably one of my least favorite coaches. I mean, he's a Belichick guy. I, I, like running outside zones, pretty cool to me. But just sort of the complacency that they have. Um, And, like, with being mediocre, I guess that really turned me off. So I'm not really – like, even last year when they were really good by some standards, I guess, by record standards, even though they don't really play anyone, I could just never get really that emotionally invested like I am with the Patriots or any of the other teams that I'm a big fan of.
0: How hype was the campus, though, when that was happening? They must have been absolutely thrilled.
1: Yeah, I I remember – I think it was – I think it was we. Most of us were on winter break, but I was still in Iowa City, and um, I was at the I was at the bar for the uh, Michigan State uh, game, the Big Ten championship, and that was pretty wild.
0: That's pretty cool. I remember that I used to work with a lot of Michigan State people, and um, they were very, very, very smug after that championship game, and then thankfully. Or maybe not, thankfully, a Michigan State fan. A few months later, they got embarrassed in the March Madness, and oh my god, that moment was just incredible. So, I mean, the way I watch college football, and I'm guessing you're pretty similar then, which I think is good if you want to be a draft evaluator or a scout, is you pretty much focus more on the players and the teams, right?
1: Yeah, I think, think, um, and especially for me, I'm a big X and O's guy. Like, the schemes, like the coaches that I find more interesting are definitely the teams that... I end up following more than I say um, Iowa just because I go to school here or even the other Big Ten teams.
0: So, who are some coaches and teams that you particularly like following?
1: Um, well, before it was uh, Baylor, but that's kind of RIP. Um, I think, I, I mean, they still have some guys um, at other schools who run the same system, the same offensive system, which I find super interesting. Um, Dino Babbers or I think that's how you pronounce it. He just accepted the job at Syracuse. Um, He did a super good job at Bowling Green, and he was the coach of uh, Jimmy G back at Eastern Illinois. Um, And then uh, their old offensive coordinator, uh, he is at Tulsa, I believe. So I think that offense is really interesting. I'm a huge Urban Meyer fan. Um, just especially how uh, his offensive ball since the Florida days and what it is now and uh, how Tom Herman changed it a bit. I think that's really interesting. And uh, and then a lot of the Big 12 teams, you can kind of just lump them together with that same style of uh, air raid spread, I guess.
0: So, so you're all about the air raid spread.
1: Yeah, I think – I mean, I think you – like, um, I think the – Like what Baylor runs is, I wouldn't really call it air raid. I think it's very different from that. Um, But I think a lot of those teams, like um, I think Oklahoma State runs a lot of interesting stuff. Um, Even TCU, to extend, I I think they're a little less air raid and a little more uh, spread. And but I think a lot of what they do is very interesting. I think um, just the way uh, systematically and like the structure of college football makes it a lot more. Um, scheme oriented, and you can do a lot more creative things. And uh, coach—it's more about the coaches, I guess, and the players. Not that—I mean, anytime you play football, it's going to be about the guys on the field. But they just have more options, um, especially just like there's a ton of dynamics that make it that way. You have bigger rosters, um, the wider field, the wider hashes.
0: Yeah, no, that makes total sense to me. I'm excited to Syracuse this year. Actually, I think of that game against Connecticut. It's going to be really fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I. So speaking from the evaluator perspective, uh, there's already been a lot of talk about who is going to be established as sort of next year's top prospects. And how many prospects have you already watched?
1: Uh, yeah, I think you might be asking the wrong guy here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I it's just basically anyone who. Like watched last year um, that sort of stuck out that wasn't draft eligible. I had I had some notes. I know just me and Justice were watching some edge guys. Uh, DeJuan Smoot is a guy who really stuck out to me from Illinois. He's an edge guy. Uh, Charles Harris from Missouri. Um, obviously, everyone loves Tim Williams. There's some interesting safety prospects, too. I collect a lot of uh, all-22 college films, so I've watched a bunch of um, Adams from LSU. I think he'll only be either a true junior or a redshirt sophomore or something. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting prospects.
0: Yeah, uh, and we'll get into draft prospects as the season goes on, as we did last year, uh, talking about a ton of different draft prospects. One take I did want to get from you, though, because I know you don't so, – even though you don't go to Iowa games, have you watched a decent amount of C.J. Beathard? Yeah, I mean, he's one guy that I, I definitely
1: watched. I have I had their whole um, 2015 season of film. And so I, I think just the sort of the hype around him, I guess, it's not crazy hype, but there's a lack of um, good senior QBs. It's basically him and Chad Kelly are the only ones who are even getting talked about. Well, um, I think he had... But they really limit him with what he does in the offense, and it's all—it's what he does, like not too impressive. So
0: the weird thing for me is that Davis Webb is getting hype as the number one senior quarterback, and Davis yeah, Webb weird. is not—I don't think he's very good. I, I, I mean, that was a bit of a surprise to me. So I think yeah. that's something to keep an eye on for they'll, sure.
1: They'll hype anyway especially early in the season, like, any any tall white dude playing at a big school is basically going to be a first-round pick at this point in the year.
0: So, let's move from the college ranks to the pro game, because we are so close to football yeah, season so. starting in earnest, and I am very excited, even though we have to deal with Jimmy Garoppolo the first four games, who has not taken the step forward that I personally wanted him to this preseason, but that's okay.
1: Yeah. See, that's just a side interesting note. This is like the first real chance we get to see of someone from, uh, like that Baylor-style offense play in the pros. So that's that could be an interesting storyline. I know it kind of doesn't count because he's been able to sit for so long.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And the, the thing with Jimmy – Without harping on too much, and you could also give your two cents too, is that when the pocket is clean, he's really good. And he, he just, when he's able to make his progressions, go through the motions, and make throws, he's very good. The issue is that that's not going to happen that often at the NFL. And if he feels pressure, although I think he's gotten a little bit better since last year, there's still too many times where he runs backwards. And that's just not good for a quarterback to do. Now, one good thing about him is that he's hard to sack. Because he's a, he's huge. Like, people don't realize how large Garoppolo is, and he's really strong. Uh, I think the Patriots coaches were saying that he takes the workouts like a linebacker. And that they love that about him. So, I, I'm i not as optimistic about him as I was earlier. I still think that they, if they make it out 2-2 two and two through those first four games, I'll be totally fine. But... I did want to see a little bit more poise from Jimmy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I didn't hate it as much as some people did as far as what he did in the preseason, but it's definitely he's not like where you would think a a second-round quarterback after a couple years would be. But then again, he hasn't played. Um, I think, yeah, getting the ball out quick is just going to be the key for him. Hitting that seam, I mean, I think he showed good velocity, and so hopefully just he'll be able to work the middle of the field with Gronk and Bennett and guys like that. I think the offense is going to be the best we've seen since maybe 2011. Once Brady comes back, of course, so at least he has those weapons to work with.
0: And the defense is also very good. The Patriots yeah, defense is-, is, is phenomenal. So we can quickly just do a runaround. I guess we'll go division by division. We'll start with the AFC East. Uh, Just in terms of things you've seen this preseason and what you think of these teams in general. So what do you think of the AFC East?
1: Um, I mean, like always, it's sort of like the Patriots and then a clusterfuck of whoever's left. I I guess we can start with Miami. I I really like Gase. I mean, everything he's done so far in the NFL has been really good. Um, But... I don't think that Miami roster is all too good. Devontae Parker seems like he's, at this point, a bust. I mean, he only had one year, but Gase isn't too high on him from what that article uh, Stoner was tweeting about. Um, and just that offensive line isn't that good. Landry's just a piece, he's not a game changer. They lost Omar Miller.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're pretty rough. Like, I think in general in that division, um, I mean, and I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast today, and they're low on the Jets and the Bills. Like, surprisingly low on them. I think the Jets are really well put together, but they still don't have a great quarterback. Uh, That's going to be their limiting factor, but I still think that they're by far the second best team in the division. Uh, I, I. I do wonder, like, I mean, Tyrod Taylor, I know that we really like him. What did you think of that contract extension?
1: I mean, I think you kind of, like, as far as the extension goes, I think it's fine for both sides. I mean, are they really going to be able to find someone better than Tyrod? That's probably unlikely. I do think people stand for him a bit too much. I mean, like, I I remember the game against uh, the Pats that really stuck out. He got sacked like a million times because he holds the ball forever. And I think that's sort of something that, like, flies under the radar. I think Albright tweeted a stat that he he held the ball the longest out of any quarterback in the whole league last year. I don't think he's a, uh, like, franchise quarterback. I think he is definitely – you have to take him because you can't find something better. But it's not like a Rex Ryan offense backed by Tyrod Taylor, is going to be really all that threatening anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I've given up my, my, my pseudo-standing for E.J. Manuel in Buffalo. Although, I still think he got a pretty rough deal, but he's just not very good. Uh, but, I mean, someone said on the podcast, though, and I was thinking about this when, uh, I think it was House on the Simmons podcast who said it, that Rex Ryan first coach fired. Which Yeah,
1: I mean, that's, a, that's an easy bet, in my opinion. If not for him being just like their team being very bad, but it, if they're bad because he makes it a clusterfuck and everyone's getting suspended,
0: yeah, I, I think that. I mean, in my opinion, the way the division goes is Patriots, Jets, Bills, and Dolphins. The Bills have so many good players. Like, I just can't see them being too terrible. Although I know that yeah. famous last words, like Lashawn McCoy is he's really poised to have a very good season. And, I know that Sammy Watkins is a bit of a divisive player, but I personally think he's pretty good. So yeah, I think
1: he's good.
0: I think he's gotten some bad luck in terms of injuries, but I think he's pretty good. And Charles Clay is someone who has looked really good in the preseason, which I think does matter. And The defense is a little bit overrated. The Patriots are going to miss Darius, I believe, which is very lucky yeah. for them. But I, there's something missing from that team, and I'm not sure what it is. Because I feel like intuitively they should have all the pieces to contend, and yet something is holding them back. And it might it might be the coach. It might be that Rex is not the type of coach who is good at at elevating the team to the level where they need to be. I mean, you look at what Bowles did in New York, and granted, Bowles had a ton of talent around him, but even though I, I think some – I think Kean might have tweeted out that Bowles uh, – what, why not fire Bowles? The Jets are bad this year, and people criticize that a little bit. But Yeah, that's
1: a really dumb tweet.
0: But Bowles is Bulls is great. Like, he, he was able to take their talent and get the most out of them, and I'm not sure that um, Ryan's that kind of guy. For the Dolphins, yeah. Gaze, great offensive mind. I think it's always really important to remember that there's a difference between being a coordinator and a coach, Um. I'm gonna be interested to in see how he deals with South Beach players, because that's something that every Miami coach has to deal with, and Joe Philbin did not do a very good job. So, uh,
1: yeah, I think I tweeted this to Stoner. Like, there's a dip, there like even you can be a really good coach, but there's still gonna be a point where you're the first time head coach, and you really are probably gonna to have to fail and get your feet wet before you become what you can be and reach your potential. So. I don't. I wouldn't expect anything crazy out of Miami this season.
0: We'll see, though. I think that he could do some fun things with that offense. And I was high on Devonte Parker coming out. It does sound like he's not doing pretty well over there. Hopefully, he, he finds his way. I think also uh, they have a quarterback problem. And I yeah. mean, this guy Ryan Tannehill gets so many second chances. It's crazy yeah. to me. I'm this is this is make or break year for him, Tannehill. in my opinion.
1: What it was like? What less? Last- I'm a noted Ryan Tannehill hater. Like, last summer, I think, or maybe the summer before, people were propping him up as, like, about to take the next step to be, like, an upper echelon quarterback. And it's just he's not that guy. Like, to me, he's just another guy like Tyron Taylor where he's not – it's not like you're going to say, all right, we need a new quarterback, but he's not really doing, doing it for you either. All
0: right, so moving on to the AFC North – um just quickly overviewing all of the different divisions. This is an interesting one to me, and this was also brought up on someone's podcast, I don't remember whose, about how awful Ozzie Newsom has drafted over the past few years. Uh, that Ravens team might be worse than the Browns, and that Browns team is pretty bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, they have no one on that roster that's really good, and especially at no young talent. I think
0: Sully or, actually said this. This was Sully. I don't give him credit. Yeah,
1: Sully and Stoner were both talking about this. Um, but yeah, they just have no no young talent. The offense is brutally bad. I, like I think Harbaugh is just like one of the more overrated coaches at this point.
0: I don't disagree, and I think Newsom a little overrated as a general manager, but a lot of people deify him. So. What can you do there? Uh, You got the Steelers and the Bengals at the top. I think the Bengals are coming along really nicely, and I'm a big proponent of their running game. I think that they have one of the best one-two punches in football. Um, Steelers are – when the Steelers are on point, that is the most explosive offense in the league. I do think they're going to have some issues – finding out how to fill Mark Bryant's role, but in terms of which one of those teams wins, I tend to side with the Steelers, funnily enough, because I do think that on their day, they can make the turnovers necessary to be able to beat the Bengals. But those games are going to be fun this year for sure.
1: Yeah, I think I'm leaning more towards uh, Cincinnati, as, at least as far as who do I think the better team overall be. Um just because I like by the end of the season, I'm not sure if you can really rely on that Steelers defense, which still is just pretty mediocre outside of a couple players. Like they did, like Bud Dupree, Jarvis Jones, no pass rush. Cameron Hayward and Chazier are pretty good, but outside that, not really much, and you can't really rely on Big Ben to stay healthy. Yeah,
0: it
1: stinks. I.
0: I'm still mourning over Teddy and we'll get to Teddy in a couple of minutes but quarterback injuries are the worst
1: yeah and I also think um that just that defense you know like I would like if the Pats played the Steelers in the playoffs I would just have no no problem with thinking we could score 30 something on them and even if they scored on us a lot I don't think it would be that
0: so moving on to the AFC south which might be the worst of you know what? I think we can say pretty categorically it is the worst division in football. And I thought it was going to be better this year. But looking at the preseason, I I don't know if that's the case. Uh, the Jaguars just look not good. I yeah, did not expect them to look this bad. And I think that this is the point. I have a theory with coaches. Most good coaches make the playoffs in three years, maybe four in very extenuating circumstances. Bradley has to go if he doesn't make the playoffs this year, and I'm hoping that the Jaguars are smart enough to see that, because this team has a lot of talent, and they've spent a lot of money, and now it's been four years, and they still can't beat the Texans or the Colts. I mean, I I heard the Andrew Luck-Matt Stafford comparisons recently, and I'm not sure I totally agree with them, but... Andrew Luck is still not very good, and the, I mean Andrew Luck is very good, but the team around him is not super good, and the Jaguars are good enough to get after Andrew Luck, or at least confuse Andrew Luck, and beat him. Like, they should be good enough to do that. Now, the Texans, I'm actually surprisingly higher on Brock Osweiler than many other people. I think for a fantasy quarterback, he could have a really good year. I know I'm going into some fancy drafts, and I'm picking Osweiler because he's going to be throwing to these amazing playmakers, and I think Lamar Miller is going to help that team out a lot, and I think Bill O'Brien's a pretty good coach, so I'm definitely on the Texans are the best team in the division train, and I'm hoping the Titans will end up getting there some point. I think that the Titans actually, if I want, if I was going to make a really bold prediction, and I don't don't necessarily think this is true, but it wouldn't surprise me. It would not shock me at all if the Titans have a better record than the Jaguars this year.
1: It wouldn't surprise me if the Colts had the worst record in the division.
0: That, too. The Colts um, are yeah, I think, not good.
1: I think that it's just sort of like you have four teams that all are, are on the same level. Um, I agree that Jacksonville needs to fire uh, what's-his-face. Those P. Carroll assistants are just not good coaches. They have too much talent to be wasting it away, especially with those new uh, young like draftees like Ramsey and Jack and even uh, Hearns and Robinson and Bortles are still super young. I think it sucks that they missed out on uh, getting Gase because I think Gase with those three guys on offense would have been amazing. Um, I, I agree with you about Osweiler. Um, I think he, like, Bill O'Brien, I think is – One of the best offensive and QB coaches in the NFL, maybe in all of football. So he's pretty much in the best situation possible. And uh, their defense still has a bunch of players. They have an amazing offensive skill position group. It's hard to see them not being the best team in the the division. And then you have the Titans, too are promising, but still probably don't have a good enough roster or a good enough head coach to really be threatening to uh, the Texans.
0: Resigning Mike Pilarkey was the worst decision ever. I I have no idea why they did that. I like their pieces, though. I really like their running game, and I, I don't know. There's something about that Titans offense that makes me think that they could be tougher than people give them credit for. Because Definitely. they have all the pieces. They have a pr- they have like a some reasonable offensive linemen. Like even Jack Conklin, I've watched him preseason games and he's looked better than I thought he was going to look. And they're not putting a ton of pressure on him. He's playing opposite Luan. Luan is better, so that helps to compensate. But I mean they have Mariota, they have two good running backs. Their receivers are a little light, but I mean, with the Patriots, like, their number one receiver to me is Delaney Walker. He's their best receiving weapon. And then you have Tajay, and you have Rashard Matthews, and Kendall Wright's going to fill in as well, so I, I don't know. I kind of like what the Titans could do against certain teams. Now, I don't think that they're going to be amazing next year, but I don't know. I'm a little more optimistic than some seem to be.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, like, if could put anything together to sort of like alleviate those problems that the, they'll have with that sort of weak wide receiving core it would be with those two running backs a really good run blocking the line and a mobile quarterback where you can sort of make some easy throws off boots and stuff
0: so moving on to the AFC West <laughs> some funny stuff happening in Denver San Diego is just trash we're not going to talk about San Diego very much They're so bad Kansas City, Oakland, Denver, who do you think is the best team in that division?
1: Uh, I think you still have to go with Denver. I mean, even just by default of, I don't know how many people are going to be scoring too many points on them. But, like, especially if those aren't offenses all that good. So, I, I think you have to give it to them.
0: I'm, I tend to agree. I think Paxton Lynch starts very quickly. Yeah, unless yeah. this Trevor Simeon guy is just something spectacular. I think Mark Sanchez is going to go to the Vikings, to be honest. But, in, unless this Simeon guy, who, for the record, this is a fun fact. Going into, I think that he was a senior in 2014, I can't remember, but going into the 2014 season, I had Trevor Simeon as my fifth rated senior quarterback. Hey, because, yeah, you're right. I because I had watched a little bit and he was the guy that Northwestern would turn to for two minute drills. That was his role on the team. He was their two minute drill specialist. I'm not even joking. Because they had Kane Coulter at the time, who then became a receiver on the Vikings, and now I think he might work at Goldman Sachs. I don't even know if he's still in the league anymore. But uh that was Simeon's role. He did two minute drills and he he won them a few games and then he got injured as a senior and his stats went down but Northwestern Twitter seems to think that he's a—he's uh, n- not awful. Although I will say Roger Sherman from SB Nation wrote that at his time at Northwestern, Trevor Simeon was the fourth best quarterback that he saw, which is not exactly a rousing endorsement considering the history of Northwestern quarterbacks. Um, I think Kansas City has a shot at passing Denver because that defense is really good. And Alex Smith, I'll give him a little bit of credit where it's due. He's better than I thought he was going to be. And if they have Jamal Charles, like, they can beat anyone, I think. So I might actually lean Kansas City number one, but I know they'll, they'll, they'll chief it up somehow. They'll screw it up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they'll be healthy enough on defense um, just to start the year. I'm, I'm not sure when they're getting Justin Houston back, but I, I just don't think they're scary enough on offense either. Like, Andy Reid and Alex Smith are definitely – a like, the ideal pairing, but um, still, I don't think they really have too many playmakers at wide receiver, more of, like, Macklin and, um, who is it, the Georgia kid? Conley. Yeah, um, like, those guys are more pieces, like, if you have just too many of those guys, you don't have someone dynamic, and it's not like Alex Smith is Tom Brady going to be throwing them open all the time, and, like, Charles, God bless his soul, but... He's another guy you can't really rely on him being there when you go for a playoff run.
0: Yeah, and then with the Raiders, I still think that they're a year away, and I think the defense is good. But Derek Carr got a little bit overrated last year. The thing with Derek Carr to me is he's he's very very good, and I think that he has a chance. Like I, I will own up to my valuation. I think I overestimated or underestimated. Um his decision-making ability, and it's gotten better. You saw the game slow down for him a bit as a rookie when he beat San Francisco. That was sort of the moment for me when I saw Derek Carr stop having the gears turn around in his head when he beat the Niners. Um, But then halfway through last year, he beat up on really, really easy defenses early in the year, and then later in the year against tougher teams, he just did not look as good. And so I think with Carr, he needs a little bit more time just to get there. But I think eventually, I mean, the Raiders are definitely on the up and up, and and Jack Del Rio has done a phenomenal job as coach there. I'm just not all in on Carr just yet. But I, at the same time, like I'm I'm getting to the point where I put my money on him. But I still think he he needs some help diagnosing defenses a little better.
1: Yeah, he just he just needs some more seasoning. I don't think he's terrible by any means. I think he's promising, but that roster is just too. Um, I mean, it's good, but that's exactly what it is. It's just good. If you have a good roster with an average quarterback. You're going to be more of a eight and eight, nine and seventeen than someone who's going to win the division against the Super Bowl champions.
0: I do expect those three teams to beat each other up in the West, though. Wouldn't shock me if they're all 500 against each other. And in that case, I mean, it might bode well for Oakland because they would have the weaker out-of-conference schedule and other games. So, Oakland has a shot, but we'll see what happens there. Moving to the NFC, we'll start with the East. Ugh, it doesn't look great. I think Washington's the prohibitive favorite, and I don't even like Kirk Cousins all that much, but... Their defense is really good. I'm mean, Actually, you know what? I, I, Dallas was my favorite, but now with Romo out, and I think Dak is good, but also Dak hasn't faced actual defenses yet. He's only really faced, like, simple, pretty simplistic defenses, and I'm curious to see how he's going to adjust to that. So what, what do you think about Dak and Dallas?
1: Um, I think he is definitely, like, one of the more interesting quarterbacks you could put in that situation just because, I mean, realistically you think, all right, now they're just going to put eight in the box every play and make them beat you. But he does give them sort of that read uh, option ability that can limit them, how many they can put in the box or not put in the box, but he's reading a guy. So that takes a number away. And you have a guy like Dez on the outside who will definitely burn you over the top. If he can stay healthy again, um, but I, I think they're the, definitely the most interesting team and the team with the most potential, but that's, this really just a crap-shaped division.
0: My, my thing with Dak is in college, I never saw him, and this is something that I, I, I do take into consideration when I'm looking at quarterbacks. When Dak faced really tough teams, I didn't always see him step up to the occasion. Uh, Granted, part of that was because he was overmatched. Like, I remember the Alabama game when they were undefeated a couple of years ago, or close to undefeated, and they were just kind of overmatched, and he was trying his best throwing to Deranya Wilson, but Deranya Wilson ended up not being very good. Um, but I, he just made some questionable decisions, and I, I wasn't entirely buying that he could get away with doing that at the next level or that he had the temperament to, to be a league quarterback at the next level. Now, granted... I do think that the offense is perfectly built for him to succeed, kind of like in Minnesota, where you have a line, you have a really, really good running back in Zeke Elliott, who's going to be a stud, and you you have a lot of weapons that he can distribute the ball to. Uh, to be honest, I'm just still not sure about that defense. It scares me a little yeah. bit. And Washington... Kirk Cousins did a good enough job last year to lead them to the playoffs, and I don't see any reason, considering the weapons he has, why he'd be worse this year unless he just regresses massively, which he totally could because he is a massive regression candidate. But that defense also is, is very good, and I believe in McLuhan, so that's why I have them a little bit higher. The Giants, it got a little bit better. I think Norris Jenkins is overrated, so I don't necessarily buy that Same signing. What?
1: Same with Kerner. Yeah. Fun Madden
0: team. I beat Ben a ton playing with them in Madden, but um, not the best real-life team, although I think Odell could end up having a pretty good year. And that running game is weird, too. It wouldn't shock me if Paul Perkins ends up starting for them by the end of the season, because he's their best running back, in my opinion. He's, He's their best running back, in my opinion, so we'll see what happens there. And then the Eagles are just... Um, there's a lot of shit going on there, and they're just not going very good this year. They they that might be, be screwed to... for a while, actually.
1: Yeah, that roster is probably the worst out of all of those teams, which is saying something. I think the Giants could be interesting as well. I mean, that defense is going to be bad, and they'll have to put up a lot of points, but they could definitely do it with um, OBJ and uh, Sterling Shepard and Anning.
0: Totally. NFC North. This division became, I mean, this division became a little bit less interesting uh, recently because of Teddy's injury, which I'm still very sad about. Um, I mean, the Packers are prohibitive favorites. I think the Lions have some talent, but we'll see how they end up replacing uh, Calvin Johnson. On defense, I, I kind of like what they have, but. Um, we'll see what ends up happening on offense. And Stafford is so inconsistent that you never know what he's going to end up doing. I actually like what the Bears are building, but they still need a cornerback and they don't have one yet. Once they get a little bit stronger in the secondary though, I I believe in Vic Fangio defenses. I think that defense could be really good. And they have some good linebackers. I really, really like what they're doing on the defensive line. I'm pretty Pretty high on the Bears. I think that they could end up sneaking in and, and grabbing um, the second overall place in that division. Now, granted, I think the Vikings are a little bit better, but, you know, maybe a game turns the wrong way. I don't think the Vikings are going to go much more than 9-7 and seven this year just because uh, the quarterback position is to be a problem. I think Mark Sanchez is going to end up over there at some point because it sounds like he might be cut from the Broncos. And if you're listening to this and this didn't happen or it already happened, then I'm either a genius or an idiot. But, I, yeah, I think the Packers are prohibitive favorites. Having Jordy back is going to really help Aaron Rodgers um, as long as he stays healthy. But my sleeper here is the Bears. I kind of like what they're selling. And they have some good receivers and a good quarterback in Jake Cutler too.
1: Um, for me, I, I definitely like the Packers. I like the Packers more, um, or more than the Vikings even before Teddy got hurt. I think Rodgers still is just by far the best quarterback. Even if Jordy is, like, 80% of what he was, they'll still be a better team than what they were last year. Um, I mean, the Vikings have a really good defense, but they still weren't scaring anyone on offense. Like, they didn't really do much to get better there at all. Um, The Bears, like you said, the D-line, even the linebackers are pretty good, even though Floyd probably sucks. Um, But, yeah, they just won't even be able to cover anyone and uh, Kevin White kind of shit the bed in the preseason. And uh, we'll have to see how Cutler will do without Gase now. I mean, I watch a lot of Bears games. And uh, Cutler looked really good last year with Gase. But with him, it's like he's two-faced. You never know which one you're going to get. So I don't think him losing his offensive coordinator is going to do him any favors.
0: And and low-key, um, Laquan Treadwell might be a bust. That's something that... Yeah. Like, you know, another – I'm going to give credit. Listen to Sully's podcast, too, uh, the I Hate Sully podcast. If you don't listen, it's really funny. But they were right about how sometimes you kind of know if someone's a bust. The thing with Laquan Treadwell is that he got hurt, and we didn't really see him after the injury. But even before the injury, I didn't think his separation skills were that amazing. I had always compared him to Alshon even before then. And I, I'm just not sure that he's athletic enough. He might just be a Jordan Matthews type at the next level, which is totally fine, but just got to temper your expectations, I guess.
1: Yeah, and there was some like de- divisiveness on uh, whether he was a good fit for Teddy or not. I thought it was a terrible fit, personally, so I wasn't expecting too much out of him, even if you didn't think he was a bust, but... I guess we'll have to see or wait for next year. I, I, I mean, gonna say. the guy who I thought was
0: Teddy's best fit is injured this year, and Josh Doxon, so I'm not going to complain too much. Um, NFC South got the Panthers. I still think they're prohibitive favorites. The Panthers' pass game, Luke Keekley is just – he's unreal. I didn't realize how good he got last year, but he was unreal in that game. Uh, that happened last week. I think the Bucks could go, come in second though. I think the Bucks could be really good. How about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, the Bucks. I guess it kind of te- depends on Winston taking that next step. I mean, if, I think if any of the young quarterbacks are gonna do it, it's gonna be him. They definitely have the weapons down there with, uh, um, Evans, ASJ, uh, Vincent Jackson. But like you said, it sort of runs through the Panthers. I think they're sort of a team, uh, like, uh, um, Denver, where even if their offense shits the bed somehow, like that defense is just going to be too tough regardless. And they have a bunch of, I mean, I think Funchess looked really good this preseason. Kelvin Benjamin, who I think kind of sucks, but he's coming back. He's definitely like a worthwhile piece. And obviously you have the MVP.
0: Yeah, and Cam, just for your fans and players out there, at least in the game that we saw, Cam was forcing the ball to Kelvin Benjamin a lot. So just keep that in mind. I really like Tampa. I'm I'm very bullish on them. I, I maybe their defense has some issues, but Vernon Hargreaves has looked absolutely incredible, and I thought he was the most pro-ready cornerback in this class. Um, I was just scared about. I'm I, he might be at his ceiling right now, but that might be fine if he can be a really good playmaking cornerback. I'm I would consider uh, all of their defensive players really pretty good. I mean, they need a little bit of help I guess, in the back end, but I think their defense is good enough. And then on offense, um, Jameis looks great, and Mike Evans and Jameis are going to break some records together, or at least they say they are. And then on the other side of the ledger, you have the Saints and the Falcons. And I feel bad for the Saints because Sheldon Rankins looked phenomenal in the game that we saw, and then he got hurt, and now he's out for most of the year. Breeze is still Breeze, and I could see Cooks and Michael Thomas doing some nice things. I just don't believe in that defense. I just don't think they're very good. And Dovin Bros are really nice, and they have a couple other pieces, but I'm still not 100% sure that they're going to end up being able to to cover. Von Bell had some moments this preseason that made me shake my head a little bit, and it sounds like he might be getting a lot of playing time, so I'll have to keep an eye on that. And then the Falcons, uh, they're just not very good. Matt Ryan's got to go. Um, yeah, they're just not a very good team. I, that's pretty much all I say about the Falcons. I'm like yeah. thinking in my head of of what trade they could make to make their team better, and I don't think that there is one because it's all quarterback.
1: Yeah, they're they're really bad. I mean, I think they're not even worth talking about. Really, like their only good player is Julio, basically. Uh, that running back, he had a good season last year, but I wouldn't bet on him reproducing that. I think the Saints are, are super interesting as far as fantasy goes, but uh, they're not really a threat to do anything in the division. That defense is too bad, and I think they'll take a bit to put the offensive pieces together.
0: I do like Michael Thomas. I think Michael Thomas can be really good, but yeah, otherwise. I'm a
1: huge Michael Thomas stand.
0: Yeah, and Brandon Coleman also. Like, that offense could be fun. They could put up some points and be a little bit better than expected, but we'll see. I think that there's a good chance the Falcons come in last in that division, though, which would, would be entertaining to watch. It would be entertaining to see some reactions to that. So, NFC West, and, of course, the big story this week has been the Colin Kaepernick not standing up for the National Anthem. Uh, I have a very muted take on this, but I'm interested to hear if you have any thoughts on it.
1: I mean, it's hard to say anything that hasn't been said. I think um, Pablo Torres tweet that went viral sort of summed it up best that sort of like Kaepernick's just critiquing America and and, like everyone's booing him and uh, while they're praising Trump for critiquing America. I mean, obviously it's just like weeding out people who are racist and problematic and shit like that. I will say that it's sort of tiring to see everyone quote tweeting any person who disagrees with it, trying to like show how stupid they are. I think we get it already.
0: Yeah. And and in case you didn't know listeners where sports society and stuff, are all sort of blending together this week because there's a lot to talk about and we, we wanted to make sure we fit it all in. I have a couple of takes about Kaepernick. Um, not necessarily about the actual act of him sitting during the national anthem because I think I mean it's it's a speech thing I personally stand for the national anthem but I I don't necessarily I don't really have a take about that that's not my area of expertise um my my couple of takes though one is that I think that the pro clutching from people who are like he disrespected the troops is stupid and it's not productive and needs to stop because it just it's a waste of time and it isn't true so that's my one take there my other take is that the reason why people are so hard on kaepernick is because they didn't like him when he went when he made the super bowl because of all of the shit that came out about him back then when he was in miami and when he was well, when there people were writing shit about his tattoos All of that is leading up to this, and it's either coded racism in some ways, or it's just, this is a guy that we've never liked and now's our chance to pounce on him. That is exactly why this has become a perfect storm. Like If this was a more minor player, I don't think anyone would care. Heck, even Gabby Douglas didn't put her hand on her heart, and Twitter was mad for a day, and then after that, no one cared. But
1: there's, like, there's so many aspects about this that sort of, like, elevates it to this, like, crazy status of being a topic of Twitter and media for, like, multiple days, which almost never happens. I mean, you have Chip Kelly as the head coach, and we know all the problems uh, he had with the media and race and stuff like that in Philadelphia. You have the fact that he is uh, biracial. You have the fact that he had two white adoptive parents. There's just a lot of things to sort of elevate this to this really gross level of uh, people being racist or using coded racism
0: yeah and and it's I don't even think that like like I, I don't think that it's necessarily being explicitly racist like the people who are saying things that are criticizing Kaepernick but I think that the racism that happened earlier to Kaepernick when colonists were writing articles about his tattoos and whatnot is contributing now to the outrage that he's facing. And, I mean, I don't think another team is going to sign him. It would surprise me if one did. There was an article today that Mike Freeman wrote that said that he's the most hated man in the NFL locker room since Ray Carruth, who, if you don't remember, he put a hit out on his pregnant wife. Like, I don't understand how people can equivocate the two. I This distraction narrative, I mean, it's been bullshit for years. We all know it's bullshit. I personally – I think that Colin Kaepernick has regressed as a player a little bit, but he still has a lot to offer a team. And if if you – like, in my opinion, if the Vikings are choosing between Colin Kaepernick and Mark Sanchez, you have to choose Colin Kaepernick. But I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to choose Mark Sanchez. And we'll see if Zimmer proves me wrong because I like Zimmer. So –
1: yeah, I, I was saying this to a few people, like that the only, only reason that when, like may po- he may possibly overcome this is because he was a quarterback and a good quarterback at one point, and so like teams might get so desperate they like obviously I think the main reason people don't want to sign him is the media backlash and the fan backlash they'll get from all their stupid fans, but um maybe he might be good enough or. People think they can pull that good that was once they're out of them to um, sign him and give him a chance. I think the Vikings have the perfect opportunity to do that. And if it's not them, he might be out of the league.
0: I mean, I thought the Cowboys would have been perfect until Dak showed up because they're always willing to take a chance on someone for PR. I don't think that they – and it could be bad PR. I mean, this team that signed Greg Hardy. So I will see what happens with him. I think that for the most part, other than I agree with you on people tweeting, people who disagree, I think it gets really old um, really, really, really quickly. I have found it fascinating how many players to a person have come out against him, which I think also plays into the narrative that he's not very well liked and also that these players do not feel like they can speak out on these issues or else they're going to get in trouble. Um, yeah, which was really fascinating to me to see like even Jimmy Garoppolo's comment on it, which I actually thought was a pretty benign comment. I think he did a good job of not sounding too insensitive um but still coming out against it, like yeah, yeah. like we had a lot of players saying like we agree at just the wrong time. there's a whole bunch of shit about the national anthem and why we're singing at games, and I that's gonna be for another podcast or maybe just another article, but yeah, I just I I hope that he ends up coming out from this unscathed because I think it would be a shame if his career ended like this, uh, and that's how I remember him, but we'll we'll see. I mean, I don't think he's gonna stay in San Francisco, but maybe Chip will end up surprising us. So I think we we cover football pretty heavily, although we didn't really even pick who was going to win the division. Do you have the Cardinals or the Seahawks?
1: Um, I'd probably go with the Seahawks. I think Russell Wilson's probably, at this point, the best quarterback in football. I mean, he played, like, it the second half for sure. That defense is still good. They, Tyler Lockett's about to take the next step and probably, in my opinion, be their number one wide receiver. Um, so it's really all looking up there.
0: I would agree with that. I actually also have the Seahawks, like, like a game above the Cardinals. It's very close. Um, The Cardinals' defense is, I think, a little bit better. I think the Seahawks' defense is slightly overrated, but Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in football right now, so I can't really disagree too much there. The Rams are going to be so trash, so they're not even worth talking about. Um, So we covered all the NFL teams. We have a couple of minutes left. I think that um we're going to talk a little bit about bad tweets. So you you are a a critic of bad tweets. So what tweets in your mind are
1: bad? Okay, well I'm not I'm not sure about bad tweets but he, because it's blowing up my phone as we do this. Have some fucking Twitter etiquette and untag people from conversations.
0: Please untag people. Just don't do it. We, 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 I don't need to see your responses to every single thing when you're talking to somebody else. It gets a little bit old. I mean, I, we don't need to talk about bad tweeters, honestly. I think that, uh, to, this week's episode of bad tweeters were people who were clutching pearls over Colin Kaepernick because it was just old and overdramatic. So just don't do that. But to end it, you it. What?
1: If you send a bad tweet, someone someone's probably screenshotting it or linking it in like a group group chat or group DM or something like that.
0: Yeah, just no no Twitter is forever. You can't you can delete the tweet, but it'll never actually really be deleted. But to end it, I I know tried to talk about this last week with Gelhar, and he ended up not being able to talk about it. But you've listened to Blonde by Frank Ocean. So what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, I think, I I tweeted this to you, actually, earlier, uh, I think it's really good, it's another one of those albums that you can just sort of play all the way through and, uh, not really want to turn it off or change the song at any point. Uh, it doesn't have the peaks as far as Channel Orange, I mean, I remember when Channel Orange came out, like, there's just, like, five or six songs that you always want to go back to, if you're just, like, going through your iPod or something, you feel the need to turn them on, but, um... Still, It's still just really well done, really well produced. And there's still those, uh, not as many, but still a, a few peaks. Like you have Knights, you have Solo, uh, Ivy. So it's definitely a worthwhile project for sure.
0: Yeah, Pink and White's been growing on me a lot recently. And, ugh, Godspeed. Godspeed, that first note in Godspeed is, that that is Frank. That, that's Frank at his best. And that's been growing on me, too. It starts
1: off really well, too.
0: I do like how every song has a different feel, though. I really appreciate that vibe, and I, it's really good. If you haven't listened to it yet, you should. Download Apple Music. It's also uh, obtainable through other means, but I personally downloaded Apple Music because I want to support artists. One thing I'm going to try to do at some point is there's got to be, like, a track mashup or some sort of, like, way to listen to Coloring Book and... Um, and blonde like in one sitting to like take you like from the sad to the happy or like to the deep to the happy because those those albums seem like really complimentary to me I don't know yeah so that's something that I'll have to work on but anyway this has been really fun uh, Colin thank you so much for joining uh, where can people find you
1: uh, if you want to do that I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it but Tony Roma with a B instead of a T on Twitter.
0: Yeah, you can find him there. Colin has really, really good football takes, so you should follow him. Like, he's one of one of my more um, – I, I like talking to him more than most football people on Twitter, so I would definitely recommend giving him a follow, or at least talking some football with him. But anyway, that is this week's episode of the Hammer Time Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We'll be back with more Sports Society and stuff probably next week. So until then, we'll talk to you later.